You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, we've been looking at uh, Pentecost ever since Pentecost Sunday. We've looked at Peter's first sermon a couple weeks ago and the result of 3,000 believers coming into the kingdom. That's a pretty good first sermon. Uh, I've got some seminary profs that still might give him a C plus, but uh, I think in the kingdom he was given an A plus, and uh, it's, it was a wonderful, wonderful expression. We looked last week as, as we saw what happened as a result of those 3,000 coming into the kingdom, being birthed, new believers, and what happens to new believers. And so we look at, once again, just review, looking at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Well, we find that this little paragraph at the end of chapter two is kind of setting the stage for everything else that follows in the book of Acts. In Bible study, we would call this going from a generalization into the specific points. Here's the general, and, and they devoted themselves to the teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves uh, to the communion, to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And the result of that was that there was many wondrous signs. There was just amazement. Everyone was filled with awe. So in that backdrop, we go to the first substantiation of that reality, the healing of the crippled man. We go from the general, the overall, that there were many healings, that there were many wonderful miraculous signs. Now we're going to zero in, we're going to get laser specific, and we're going to look at one incident that kicks off chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. Your translation may say at the ninth hour. The ninth hour is three o'clock in the afternoon, so don't worry, there's not a mistake in the Bible. Now a crippled man from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, cause us to have ears to hear, and hearts to understand what your spirit is saying to the church today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
They were devoted to prayer. The last thing of verse 42. And they were devoted to prayer. They were so devoted to prayer, guess what? One day they were going to the temple to pray. And as they're going to the temple to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon, there is a need. There is a man who's been born crippled, never walked, never was even able to, to take someone's hand and, and just stumble. He was lame from birth. Now, if you know anything about atrophy, he's an adult male now. You see someone who's not using their legs and they go into toothpicks real quick. The muscles just kind of draw up, they're, they're just gone, and there's like nothing but skin and bones. And here's this guy, L look at his situation. Here is an incredible need. He gets carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. And he probably thought there was nothing beautiful about his condition. The contrast of where they positioned him and his condition is amazing. And there he is in his condition having to be carried. There was no wheelchairs back in that day. There was no scooters to ride in. He had to be carried. How humbling is that? I know some folks that need carried every now and then. And I don't think there's anything they hate more than having to be carried from one place to another. If they're male, it's a special attack on their masculine pride to have to be carried. They wanna, they wanna somehow wiggle their way there by themselves. But that is a very humbling situation. And so this man knew what it was like to have to be carried. He was put there every day. Every day he's, he's going to the same place. There his purpose is to beg for those that are going into the temple courts. A lot of times when you're on the interstate or you're driving around town, you'll see those that, it, that it will say homeless and, and need food, God bless you, anything will help. And, and, and they position themselves in places where they think they're going to receive something. That's the whole thing of, of knowing which corner is going to be your corner, which exit's going to be your exit. You've got to position yourself at the right place. I think maybe a beautiful gate would be a good place to... And how about when people are going to meet with God and to pray? You know, their hearts should be a little warm. They should be going to the Lord. And let's, let's get them right there. If, if you've noticed, oftentimes, if, if they're trying to receive something from the church and they're, and they're just going by and they're really experienced. I found out when I pastored Maryville, Indiana, that there was those transients that knew how to mark my church and the churches in the area to let other transients know if this is an easy place to get assistance or don't waste your time and move on. And so I've, I've come to see that if they're really experienced, they know to see what time church starts and then wait an hour, hour and a half afterwards and see if they can hit the preacher up as all the people are exiting because it's going to be a whole lot harder in front of everybody to say, no, I don't have anything for you. And they're very, very good and adept at knowing how to position themselves so that they might be able to receive some alms, receive some, some money, something there. And this guy... He's been doing this his whole life. 
And there he is. He's all set. He's all positioned. He's there. And what happens? He targets Peter and John. He sees them coming. He marks them. He's looking at them. Now what he doesn't realize, as one that's always looking to try to figure out who might be a good person to ask for alms, he didn't realize that he was being marked as well in the spirit realm. God had marked him. And it says that they looked straight at him. Here he is. He marks them. He sees them coming. He asks them. They see him. I love that. That, that just moved my heart when I was reading and preparing for this. It's like, they saw him. I don't know about you, but when I go by those people, a lot of times it's like this. There's two lanes. I get over in the lane that's the furthest away from where the person asking alms is, and I, I get over here so that there's a little blockage. But they saw him. To me, that, that speaks of just the heart of the Father of being able to see human need. This is why oftentimes I've encouraged you to get multiple, you know, go to the bank, ask for, for grace this week and, and take a $10 bill and, and get some singles. And every time you see someone who's, who's asking for help, you can pray about it. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not going to mess with your system of how the Lord moves with you. But as an experiment, just give everyone that you see at least a dollar or two. Just stop and give them. Everyone that you see and see what happens. See what happens. You can't have an interaction when it's happening and you're on the interstate and you're coming on an exit ramp and you got 30 cars behind you and you gotta go. But sometimes they're in the Walmart area or they're around Meyer, and you might have a chance to give them something and see if the Lord's opening up a divine appointment. There's a reason why they're there. You know, uh, what's, what's happened? Did you lose your job? Um, who knows? Who knows what their story is? That's kind of between you and the Holy Spirit in the moment, and that's what walking in the Spirit's all about. But being able to have the eyes of the Father to see when we are conditioned in our American culture not to see. We are conditioned by the fraud that once you've been burned by a fraud, someone who's, who's doing it and you find out on 2020 they're making 70000 a year begging at the, at the interstate, interstate exit and all of a sudden you think, oh, well, I'm not giving to that person. Well, don't be so careful. Don't be so quick. Run it through the heart of the Father. See if you can see the way he sees them. I've told you this story that I prided myself because I pastored in the inner city and I could, I could tell a con job a mile away. I know my pastoral anointing looks like I'm a softie and an easy touch and everybody's gonna be able to get whatever they want from Pastor Rick, but it's amazing after pastoring several years in the inner city that you kinda, you kinda see through things and you kinda see and you can see someone's, you know, they're just, 
And I knew how to give them enough rope and ask questions and just let them go. And pretty soon they contradicted their story. And as soon as I gave them enough rope, I'd tug it and choke them out and, and I'd let them hang themselves on their own story. And I was so proud of myself. I was saving the church all sorts of money. They weren't, they weren't pilfering from my church because I was on top of it. And then the Lord says, I want you to give him. And I thought, Lord, he lied. His story's not true. He's a con. Don't you know that? And he said, I know that, but I want you to give him money. Lord, I never give anybody money. I'll go buy him a McDonald's, but I, I, I'm too righteous to give him money because they will go buy cigarettes and liquor. So I won't give him money. No, 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 no. He says, I want you to give him money. He violates my principles. That's what walking in the Spirit's about. It's not walking in your religious rules, do's and don'ts. It's walking with him. He will contradict what you think is the way he always works from one day to the next. And so it's like, okay, Lord, help me see what you're doing and help me not adapt my culture and bring in the blinders and make sure that I don't see the human need that's around me, especially when they're signing, standing with a cardboard sign that says, hungry, can you help? Okay, I'll get off that soapbox. Thank you. Thank you. But there is something of the Father's heart in this. And I, I, I'm afraid there's a hardness in religious Christianity that we're so concerned about being uh, manipulated. We're so concerned about losing a dollar that we don't understand the generous nature of the Father. Now, the father could just as easy say, don't you give them a penny. He could say that. But it's up to us to be able to see and to hear what the Lord's saying in the moment. So they asked for money, but they, this guy was seen by Peter and John, both of them. The emphasis is that two of them, they both saw what was going on with this guy. And so he's getting excited. Peter says, look at us. And it's like, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit highlighted this beggar to them. And highlighted is one of our little Sockham terms that when all of a sudden you're looking at somebody and you're drawn to them, it's like the Holy Spirit's drawing and he's showing you something and you don't know exactly why, but you just find that you're kind of moving toward them. And then you find out that the Lord's wanting to do something in that situation. We need to see, the, see people the way the Lord sees them. Seeing people, you know, do, we, do we see them as they appear or we do, do we see them as they are seen in heaven, as they're seen by the Father? On the outside, they could look really rough. But when we see them as the Lord sees them, oh my. So here's the, here's the lame man. He's, he's excited. He's saying, oh boy. Oh boy, I got, I got one. You know, I, I know that when they make eye contact with me, I, I, I'm reeling them in. I, I've got one on the line. And, and so he's bringing, he's looking excited. He's he expecting to get something. Boy, did he get something. 
more than he could have ever imagined. Surprise! The Lord sees you. And here's the wonder. Remember in verse 43 it says, And many wonders and miraculous signs were done. And here it is. I can't give you what I don't have. That's, that's so true. We cannot give what we don't have. That's why it's important for us to spend time with the Lord, to, to, to really have that secret history with God, to steward the time of intimacy with him well, so that when we're in situations like this, we know what his heart is and we see with his eyes and we can partner with him in his activity. And so here's what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I guess which one of those words popped out to me. I've only been hammering on it for two weeks, so you might have forgotten. The anointing, Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, like we've been looking at. The world doesn't care if you just see Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth as a great moral teacher or a religious leader or something like that. But the thing is, he was the anointed one. He is the one upon whom the Spirit of God rested. And as a result of that, supernatural took place. And as a result of that supernatural activity, the world can't be neutral about Jesus. And so the enemy tries to just get us not to see that he's the anointed one, that he is the Christ. Huh. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Mm. I almost made an announcement to turn off all cell phones. That was the Holy Spirit. I missed it again. Forgive me, Holy Spirit. Uh, to heal blind eyes, to, to, to mend the brokenhearted, all of that is as a result of the anointing of the Spirit of God coming upon us. And we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been giving the anointed one the one who brings fresh anointings upon us, that we're, that we're commanded to be filled with every day, continuously, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus, the anointed one. You've been given the name above every other name. We sang about the beautiful name of Jesus this morning. I just, as, as everybody else was singing this, I knew what was in the sermon. And I just thought, oh, the name above all names, the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Oh, yes. In that name, and it happens here and later in the story, the name is really important. It is in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus that the miraculous take place. And on the basis of that name, in that name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Walk. It is a word that is proclaimed. When God in Genesis 1 creates creation, he says, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke creation into existence. And we find now as his disciples, as his followers, 
as his spirit fills us and as we walk with his heart and his eyes, we have authority to speak a word of creative power. And that's what we see here. Healing takes place. But you don't stop with speaking. You, 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 this is great because my primary love language is physical touch. If, you know, if you're around me long, I'm going to give you a hug. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to somehow physically assault you in the love of God. Taking him by the right hand, there's touch. Peter and John help the man up. Where the miracle occurred, it is spoken. We act in faith, believing the word. We take the hand of the person and we start to help them up. And instantly, the feet and the ankles, the legs are strengthened. Instantly. Ah. We don't speak the word and say, well, nothing happened. Moving on. No, we speak the word and then we act. Of a prophetic act of faith, we're going to help them up. And as we help them up, the miracle occurs. Oh. Now, I've been around people that are have lost the, loose of their, lost the use of their legs for a long time. And you can't even begin to stand somebody up on those toothpicks because they're so frail and fragile. Without the muscle, the bones are so brittle. And to see here, we're seeing something that is a very creative miracle that's taking place. It's a healing that's happening. And the, and the bones, the tissue, the muscle, the strength, the coordination... And, and the, the, the guy instantly, his feet and ankles became strong. He jumps to his feet. I'd be saying, easy now. Let's, let's take it nice and easy. But when the power of God comes on someone, you can't control how they're going to respond. Sometimes they may shoot many feet <laughs> just by the power of the presence of the healing of God. And he began walking. He went with them. I always thought that was interesting. Don't you think if, if you've been at this beautiful gate, they're begging every day for years and years and years and years, and somebody just did a miracle, and you were the recipient, I think I'd follow them. I'd follow them. That's why oftentimes when the healing takes place, people follow Jesus. The natural thing to do is that once Jesus frees us from our sin, frees us from our physical calamity, frees us from our spiritual torment, whatever he does, we're going to follow him. It's just natural that we'll follow the one who frees us. And so he follows them into the temple courts. Why? Remember, they're going to prayer. It's time for prayer. It says that he was walking, leaping, and praising God. Now, when you're walking, it shows that something in your physical body has happened if you've, if you've had no use of your legs. If you're jumping, there's an emotional component when you start walking and then you start jumping. I call it the jump for joy. 
there is, there is an emotional component to this healing that when God heals, he heals not just physically, but emotionally attached and it released something of the joy when all his life, he thought this is as good as it gets and he's experiencing something that's beyond anything he could ever imagine. And he's praising God. Spiritual healing. There's something that has connected with his spirit and God's spirit where he realized Jesus, the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, these men who are disciples of Jesus has just released the power of the name and his spirit is touched. I love this. I just think it's so amazing that here we see the holistic purposes of God for the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual all together. So they're going into to the prayer meeting. And people start noticing that there's a little bit of a clamor going on over there. And he's walking and leaping and jumping and praising God. And, and, and they're thinking, what in the world? And they look and they see him. Once again, the emphasis is if we don't see, we'll never know. We need to see. I don't know what you think about the movie Avatar, but when I saw the movie Avatar, there was one part of the whole movie that just totally, Spirit of God just jumped all over me. And it's when, I can't even remember what the creatures are, the little blue ones, when they go like this and they say, I see you. Oh, when they said that, it was like the Holy Spirit hit me right between the eyes and I thought, oh, I am seen. This man saw Peter and John and was marking them, hopefully to get something from them. Peter and John saw the man with father's eyes and released the authority of heaven to earth. And he was healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Now he is leaping and walking and jumping and he's praising God and now people see him and they recognize him. Isn't that the guy that sits at the gate that was born lame his whole life? And the story just begins. And they see him and they recognize him and they're filled with wonder and amazement. See, the whole story of Pentecost and being a post-Pentecost people is that there is to be a wonder and amazement. And the wonder is when we see the kingdom of God invading earth, when we see the love of the Father manifesting in tangible ways, the wonder. For wonder to take place, you have to see something. I was just meditating on wonder, and, and I just thought, I think one of the things that just blew me away that I wasn't prepared for was at the birth of our first child. And I knew she was coming six weeks before I graduated from seminary. So I had no morning classes that semester. And at two o'clock was wonder hour. Two o'clock in the morning she would wake up, I would change her diaper, 
hook her up to mom. She would feed, she would get nourished, and then we just sat there and we looked at her. And we looked at her little fingers, and we looked at her little toes, and we looked at her beautiful little eyes, big as mama's eyes, and we looked at all of that and we just went, when we saw her, we were just filled with wonder. When you go out in nature and you see creation and you see nature, sometimes it just brings something wondrous because it reveals the glory of God. It is a representation of his majesty. And when you see things in, in the natural, it's like, this is amazing. We've got to, once again, restore the sense of wonder in our lives in the spirit. When you're opening up the word of God and, and, and you see scripture and, it, and it, it's wondrous, you see it as more than just words printed on a page. All of a sudden you see the truth of God in there and it has an impact in you and it changes everything. It's like the wonder or you hear a song, the worship just filled with wonder filled with wonder. And so it was, the, it was the earmark of the early church. They were continuously exposed to wonder because of the things that they saw. And it's like, okay, folks, we need to say, Holy Spirit, expand our ability to see so that we can live in awe and wonder, total amazement at your goodness. A lot of times the Lord's doing wonderful things and I'm just walking right past it because I'm preoccupied with my problem, my situation, my depression, my blah, 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 whatever it is going on in my life, I'm walking and I don't see all the wonder that's around me. Having eyes but never seeing, having ears but never hearing, having hearts but never perceiving, that was the cry of the prophet Isaiah when he looked at God's people. They didn't use the senses and they didn't see around them. So I guess if I had to boil it around this morning, I'd say this morning is, Lord, would you open our eyes that we could see you? And when we see you, could we see ourselves as you truly see us? And having seen ourselves, can we see others? Others, especially in the body, in the fellowship, and I'm not talking about this local church, I'm talking about the body of Christ universal. Can we see our brothers and sisters and can we see all human beings, those that have yet to come in relationship with you? Could we see them as they truly are? Because when we do, wonder is right around the corner. Something absolutely amazing is upon us. Father, we thank you for your love. And we just open ourselves and we just invite you, Holy Spirit. We want to have eyes that see. We want to have ears that hear. And we, have, we want to have hearts that believe and receive and embrace the fullness of you. We want to see with your eyes and hear with your ears and love with your heart. And so synchronize us synchronize us to your fullness. Let that be the cry and just meditate on that as the worship team leads us in our last song and let him do something that only he can do for you today. 
Let him reveal. Let him open your eyes. Let him let you see as he sees. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.